Hey, Paisanos! Welcome to the Super Double Issue Show! But hey, really, sup, how you doing? Welcome to Double Issue, where the podcast about fiction in a shared superhero universe, and we kind of trade off between telling stories about that universe through actual short stories, and then just like talking it out through world building, and sometimes RPG games. I'm your host, Daniel Poole, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, me. I'm the guest. How's it going? So, Quinn's on his hiatus still, so I'm covering. I'm still getting a handle on keeping up with my creative schedule. Been working over on the Gaia Project, little game from Blue Aurora. And then I'm, of course, working on stories here and stories for my own stuff, trying to work on some game projects of my own. I've been trying to finish a Pong game for months now, but I will get there. Speaking of getting there, this week all the stories I'm going to tell are unfinished or leftover or bonuses. Uh, one was like one that I became really interested in writing really fast and did it. And then never found a good place to drop it into the story. And the universe has kind of moved on from that character. So yeah, so this week's stories are all unfinished or cutting room floor. And I'll kind of talk about with each one why we left them behind. All right, but I've got some news. Quentin and I did talk a little bit. We've been thinking about changing up the format, shaking things up. First, we're thinking about doing longer form stories. So instead of writing two sort of short 2,000-ish word stories, we've been talking about writing 4,000 word stories and just having one of us write and release a story for the episode. Then we're considering making these stories grouped into little mini-season arcs. So a group of short stories that tell a small section of a story. So sort of acting like mini-seasons or longer story arcs than just a 2,000 word story. This is something I'd kind of played with when we started. I wrote out like a 12 part bison and wisp story and I've just been kind of getting just little bits of it sprinkled in as we go and we were just talking about this as a way to kind of build towards our overarching storyline ideas faster. We're thinking about that. We're thinking about trying to do more story episodes back to back to form a one cohesive group of stories and then having a lot of world building or RPG episodes that are kind of all put together at one point to build kind of blocks of episode. We're still playing with the format some. I've been working on writing a Grand Calamity story block just to kind of see what we think. So hopefully all that will be coming out real soon. 
And uh, I think I mentioned role-playing episodes in there. We've really liked that format for the Christmas episode special. So we've been looking at a couple different games to maybe do that again with some other folks. I had mentioned that I've been kind of keeping busy with creative work. And one of those little creative side gigs is a little podcast called Chapter Chaps. I've been recording episodes with different folks and kind of putting together some some stuff for that. I'm hoping we're going to launch this month. We're going to keep our fingers twisted and bound tightly. But it's going to be a book reading podcast. So like a book club for adults with potty mouths. So keep your eyes open. It just reminds me, I kind of wanted to do an RPG cast at one point. But those, as a full-time show, it's just a lot of work. Not that any podcast isn't a lot of work, but I had this really cool idea. So I want to do a podcast where it's like Ready Player One, but without all the eggs hunt stuff or the 80s nostalgia. So it's just like people whose job, like daily job is to do these games, like kind of like WoW Gold Hunters, but in a full VR world. And also it's dystopian and terrible. And my thought was just each week we could be like, well, this racing game's like a real good way to farm gold. And so it's a racing episode. Or uh, like this week we're doing a tournament arc. So we're going to be like doing wrestling fights. And then like players could like come and go, you know, as you, as we want. I don't know. I, I'd like to try that at some point. We'll see. We'll see if I ever make it there. Someday. But someday is not today. Whereas this podcast episode is today so i could do stuff that's about today so unfinished didn't make it stories got three stories birthday call got cut for time study hall also cut more because it just didn't fit the story it was in and fang number one ever before released i think each one is going to be fun for different reasons but they just didn't make it into the show. And since I was kind of already behind an episode, I was like, man, what am I going to do? I thought I would build out a timeline chronologically of when each story has taken place and try to put all the world builds kind of on a chronological time. So my concept was like, yeah, just I'll just go through and completely order our timeline. And then I started working on that. And A, it's going to be a, a big episode. And I was wanting to pull from audio of different episodes so it's gonna take a minute anyway but b i discovered these three stories kind of in limbo out there and i thought these are still really fun they're just really short and don't tell a whole story by themselves in conjunction with what they lead into i think you get a full picture but you'll you'll see as we get to them that there's reasons but i thought it'd be kind of a fun behind the curtain look at you know, what this show does, what we what we put out there that just doesn't make it up. Birthday Call by Daniel J. Poole. Hey, sweetie, happy birthday. Did you get my package? 
a slender Centauri man with a tidy beard waved from the wall screen. His feathery eyebrows arched back over his forehead. The video feed flashed and the background moved as he took a seat. Dad, I did, thank you. I haven't gotten to open it yet. I just got back from physical therapy. Aster was still in her gym clothes. The wall screen lit up her whole room. It had exactly enough space for a bed, a desk, and a sink with a mirror. Nothing more. Posters for bands lined the walls. There was an Ultra Squad, two different Zardu Hasselfrozes, a tiny hand-painted Mega Catcher, and a trio of Uncle Kaiju posters that when hung together made one giant robot. A stack of vinyl records on the desk was still shrink-wrapped next to a portable player. A second figure leaned into the frame and said, My liege, the council meeting is starting in 15 minutes. Thank you, Percy. I'll be right there. He rubbed his face for a moment before putting his smile back on. King Sidus turned back to his daughter. How is the arm doing? She flexed her hand and arm in her best bodybuilding impression, then spread her fingers. It's doing good. It got a little weak while on the cast, but it's almost back to full strength. Sidus nodded. Superb. That's good to hear. Hey, the old dorms look just like I remember them. Probably smell like it, too, Aster said. Oh, thanks for letting me stay with you over the summer. Do you think I could do that again sometime? Oh, I don't know. Things have been busy here. You understand. Uh, yeah. No, I do. It's cool. How is work? Sidus thoughtfully stroked his chin. A king's work is never done. Some clans want to join Michonne's rebels or become independent. I heard whispers of others wanting to contact the Empire. That's all on top of our obligations to Aegis. Uh, uh, but never mind all that. This is a birthday call. How's school going? Astra replied, No, this is good stuff. I need to know these types of things, just in case I ever have to take over for you. Oh, so you got one good fight under your belt and you're ready to contest the crown? He laughed. <laughs> I see how it is. Usurper. She laughed. <laughs> but really, I should know more about what's happening. I can't catch a lot of Centauri news in Citadel. Your time will come. Until then, your mission is to make good PR for your people with our earthling host. I'll try to keep the kingdom calm until you come of age, my lady he said with a little bow. Oh, thank you, my good and trusty servant. They both laughed. Sidus asked again, But, really, how is school going? What's your favorite subject? Met anyone that might be your uh, special partner? Straight A's? Physics? Are you talking shop or romance? The king blushed. So physics, huh? Interesting choice. Aster waved a hand. Oh no, you asked, so here is every member of my class ranked by compatibility as determined by a risk-reward tier. No, no, please, I beg your mercy, she laughed again. There really isn't anyone at the moment. What about that kid on your squad, Captain Havoc's kid? She looked away. What? Darrier? Or Havoc Jr.? We're just patrol partners. He can 
sort of be a jerk. He seems pretty handsome, and you two work well together. But what do I know? Sidus checked the time. Before I go, how's your mom doing? Aster rolled her eyes. Still bitter. Called me 47 times when she saw the bank footage on the news, but won't say more than two words when she reaches me. Have you... did you... I don't know, say anything to her? I feel like it's my fault. I could have handled leaving better. The king shook his head. That's just Jamila. She's too stubborn to talk to me, but also too stubborn to leave her arctic facility. Oh, she'll cool off, and I'm sure she'll come around. Are you two gonna split up? Oh, no. I'm sure we can work this out. Don't worry about it. She'll throw herself into work and chill before long. Sida scratched his chin. Astra pulled her feet up under herself. The king asked, Hey, have you heard from your brother? He was supposed to check in last night, but never did. No. Astra shook her head. She checked her phone. He didn't text me this morning either. That's odd. He never misses a birthday text. Well, I'm sure he's just busy. A second window popped open on the wall screen. The weathered scowl of the dorm mother, Hazel, opened next to the king's panel. Sorry to interrupt, she said. Aster, you have an immediate extracurricular assignment. Sounds important, dear. I'll let you go. Love you, and happy birthday. King Sidus turned his attention to the other speaker. And good night to you, Hazel 8. He winked. Hazel nodded. She made a polite snarl. Good night, Dad. Aster pushed a bang back over her ear. She said, I can be dressed and in the briefing center in five minutes. No time, Hazel rebuked. Wear your stuff kit. Tell no one about your assignment. Fly directly to the coordinates I'm giving you now. Aster's watch lit up with a new message. I'll give you the full details when you arrive. The house mother's image flickered off. Aster threw off her gym clothes and pressed a switch on her bedside table. Her mattress lifted up to reveal an army of gadgets and supersuits. She grabbed her stealth flight suit, dressed, and ran out the door. In the hall, she took to the air while still fighting to get one boot on. She flew headlong into Thorn. Oh, hey, Aster, they said. Sorry, can't talk, she said. She flew backward directly into Havoc. Oh, jeez. Their collision sent a box of uninflated balloons, party streamers, a plastic food container, an envelope, and a small wrapped box sailing into the air. The boy loosed a short spell. He kept his balance and caught every item back in the box. Hey, no worries, Cor-Aster. What's up? He wiped a bit of sweat from his brow. Sorry, Havoc, can't talk. Gaining speed, she sailed down the hallway and into the open-air courtyard, turned toward the sky and disappeared with a whoosh. Thorn's face flexed into a puzzled expression. That was not ordinary behavior for a vertebrate, right? The plant asked. Nah, completely normal, actually. If you're hiding something, Havoc replied. Thorn said, Guess this means we don't need a diversion to decorate a room. Yeah, but you know what would be fun? Don't you need some A-Jet flight hours? Thorn nodded. They said, Where would we find a qualified instructor on short notice? Havoc slapped the top of Thorn's head. Me! I'm a qualified instructor. 
I forgot that I do. Let's catch up with uh, some flight hours. Havoc started to correct them, but stopped when he saw Thorn trying to wink. He said, Right. Flight hours. Right. The end. For now. So, this is a story that's available on our blog. I guess I need to do some updates, though, because I noticed some mistakes in there that didn't get edited out. But originally, this was from episode nine, Birthdays. I started writing this, and I wanted to get through this birthday call to kind of set up some stuff to happen later. And I was really enjoying where it was going. But in the the time for a normal story on our show it just didn't fit it was just this awkward lump of exposition that didn't quite play itself well to the action that birthdays later became and i realized that that was just a really clear place to cut it off in the original way i wrote it i even had like a page flip for like a big time skip and it just didn't feel right whenever it was in its finished form. So this story got dropped. Uh, this is just before Aster number three starts. Uh, the conversation was my way of working through that rough patch to where I actually found the story. But ultimately, it's kind of an unimportant conversation. We meet Aster's dad. We meet her house mom. We talk briefly about her real mom. We give names to Aster and to Havoc. Uh, I need to check if we kept those names. We might have changed. I think those names are right. I think we went back and kept those names. But that was another thing was Quinn smartly said that having their superhero names and then their real names in the short amount of time that we have to talk with them and see them it was more confusing than it really did add to the story or to their mythos as characters. And I, I really agree with that because it was maybe asking too much from someone for someone they just met. An example would be if you're watching Batman, you may not have ever watched a Batman cartoon, but you probably know the whole Bruce Wayne is Batman's alter ego. Whereas Courtney doesn't ring a bell with you whenever you hear Havoc Jr. say that name, and neither does Havoc's name, Darrier. So it's, it's awkward. So, and that's why I chose a hard-to-pronounce name for Havoc Jr. So, yeah, all that got cut. And I think ultimately the birthday story was better for it. But it's still kind of a fun little little thing that's out there, you know? A little bit of info that we can come back to. A little bit of world building, you know? Still a fun little conversation. I really like the playfulness that we got between Aster, Havoc, and Thorn. You kind of get to see a little more of their dynamic. And I think if I was writing a, a Legacy League long-form book, this would fit right in. It would be perfectly fine. I, I just don't think it worked for the 
format for the medium that we were originally talking in. But uh, fun stuff mentions bands of the world. I really need to bring back King Kaiju. I might just be, or Uncle Kaiju. I might just make that like my band. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, also, Stardew Hasselfranz is uh, David Hasselhoff's in galaxy name for Ga- Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy. Just a fun little side bit. I liked making a nod to the X-Mini feel of the Citadel Academy. They go on extracurricular activities. Importantly to note, we meet Hazel 8, which I think we'll be bringing back later for more stuff. So that's pretty much birthday call. Um, Yeah. Yeah, man. So next up, I've got a story... Uh, it was originally on Upshot, and it was cut off because, again, it was just kind of an awkward transition. And the like even the story that we published, it still has this awkward little bit at the start. It it feels like I need to go about another two to four thousand words to con- make this story connect fully with the next part of the story. But I was kind of in a bind for time, so I ended up just cutting this section and extending some of the other sections. But this is um, Study Hall from the beginning of my Halloween episode, Upshot. So, here we go. Study Hall by Daniel J. Poole I'm thinking about updating my identity. What do you think about Night Bison? Maybe get a darker suit? Go for the whole brooding crusader look. What do you think? Bison asked. Wisps didn't answer. She was nose deep in a textbook. A stack of wrinkled paper sat next to her with varying amounts of red ink on them. Wearing an earth-toned sweater and glasses on a chain, she didn't look like Wisp. Instead, she just looked like plain Sophie Watts, teacher's assistant. Bison fidgeted in her chair. It dug into her hips. She looked around the Citadel Academy library. The chairs, tables, and desks all looked like set pieces from one of those stuffy British historical dramas. Bison chuckled at the thought of wearing one of those fancy hoop skirts, like from Downton Abbey. She wondered if she could fight in one. Wisp looked up from her work over the top of her glasses. Sorry, did you say something? She asked. Bison put a bookmark back into her copy of Heathen, Volume 1. She tapped on the cover with her fingertips before answering. Oh, it was nothing. I was just thinking out loud. How's grading going? Wisp took her glasses off to pinch the bridge of her nose. Her hair fizzled out of her ponytail. She said, I'm just frustrated. I thought... Being a TA would help me get more one-on-one time with these students, but I'm so close in age to them that they don't want to listen to me. Then there's this one crew of students of upperclassmen whose grades are plummeting. If their parents weren't so important, I know they'd be on the shortlist for expulsion. Which is a shame because they're so gifted. I just, I feel like I can't get through to them. Bison leaned forward. She asked. Dish, dish. Whose brats are they? 
They have to be legacies. Come on, tell me. Wisp looked around the empty library worryingly before leaning forward and whispering, Aster, Havoc Jr., and Thorn. Bison's eyes grew wide. She let out in an audible, Oh, before saying, No way. Wait, who's Thorn a legacy of? Wisp laughed before looking around to see if that disturbed anyone. She replied, Sorry, that's just a joke around the teacher's lounge about Bud Dewberry. Who? Just some other uh, person Thorn got his name from. Anyway, it's sad because they get top marks in all their practical exams. Hazel even has Astra running solo recon missions for command now. They just keep blowing these assignments. Bison leaned back in her chair, letting the front legs rise into the air. She thought it over for a moment. She said, Do you think it's because of all the extracurricular work? Wisp shook her head. She said, No, Havoc and Thorn are still grounded after taking a jet out without permission. Same day as that monster attack. Bison grinned. <laughs> That's been a minute. Have you gotten any more practice on the catapult? Wisp closed her textbook with a thud. It made her jump and she looked around before saying, For your information, I haven't mastered it but I don't throw up nearly as much or as often. Well, the big woman responded. That's a relief. I didn't want to wear rain boots on her next mission if I didn't have to. Placing her stack of papers back inside her messenger bag, Whips stuck her tongue out at Bison. She checked her watch and sighed and said, We should get moving. We have patrol tonight. Outside the library doors, Bison and Wisp made their way forward toward Citadel Command. The tower filled the view. It was larger than any other building around it. White marble art deco buildings surrounded the dark stone tower. The courtyard was comprised of benches, water features, manicured topiaries, and statues of the founders. The sun had sunk behind the tower already, but the sky was turning pink. Halfway across the courtyard, Wisp said, Son of a... Hey, wait! She took off at a run. Bison followed close behind. A group of students in athletic uniforms stopped cold in the shadow of a statue of Captain Infinity. Wisp said, Excuse me, but what are you three, oh, four, doing? If I'm not mistaken, it's your study hall tonight. And why aren't you in your class uniforms? The four students looked down at their feet. Havoc, Aster, and Thorn held their arms behind their backs. After a moment, Aster said, Sorry, Miss Watts. We just had an emergency come up, and, uh, well, you see, the fourth girl walked forward. She was the same age as the others, but her outfit was a dark tracksuit without any branding. She said, It's my fault. Uh, Miss Watts, right? I'm their study hall tutor. With cocked an eyebrow while realizing who it was, she said, Professor Steele, my mistake. Are you going off campus for your tutoring session? Tanya nodded and said, Yes, we're covering physics of sound-based powers with a field trip to, uh... Havoc jumped in and said, To a concert! It's Ultra Squad tonight, down at the... New Club. Er, yeah, New Club. That's the name. Weird, right? Thor nodded along and looked at Wisp. They held out two big, gnarled, bark-covered thumbs. Hip. That's the truth. Wisp crossed her arms and looked up at the girl and back. She asked, 
Is that right, Professor Steele? Tanya nervously smiled and said, Yep. Bison tapped Wisp's shoulder and whispered behind a cupped hand, That's Hildy's kid. Of course, Wisp said before turning back to the group. She thought for a moment before she said, Well, what are you waiting on? Don't forget you have a quiz tomorrow. The four teens thanked her several times before running toward the parking garage. Wisp let out a breath she'd been holding in. Bison gave her shoulder a pat and said, They're kids. They need to make some mistakes sometimes. Wisp said, I know. I'm just worried Ultra Squad is playing in New Amsterdam tonight. Not in Citadel. Bison rolled her eyes at the band name. Together they strolled to the ready room entrance. The end. For now. So, much like Birthday Call, this was cut for timing and pacing. It does set up some of the stuff that comes up in episode 37, Upshot. But I think the way it was introduced in Upshot was maybe a little cleaner for the format. Because instead of having this before and after, they just got to the warehouse and they're like, oh, that's Havoc's car. Which I thought just worked Ah, just, it's just a little easier. The interaction between Bison and Wisp was really fun here. The scene for me really helped cement who B&W were as people. I really wish I could have found a way to make the story work. I like Bison's unease with being in a library. I like Wisp being shown as a professor. I like seeing Tanya out in sort of an academic setting, which we haven't really gotten to do because she's usually tied up with Barney. And also getting Tanya moved to the Legacy League a little more time with them. I just, I like so many things about this. Now, originally when I cut this, I also cut the costume part where Wisp got a new costume as a birthday present from Bison. But that part did make the episode. I still I still feel like that's a weird section. I think it could be cut right up to where Bison and Wisp arrive from the catapult and it's this Wisp throwing up. But the costume part really sells some some vital characterization for Bison and how she thinks about Wisp and really congeals their relationship for me. So it managed to make it into the episode. But it really does still feel different than the rest. Made a callback to the birthday call episode in this, which I thought was kind of cute because they mentioned Ultra Squad, one of the superhero music bands of this universe. And I realized that it's any birthday episode, apparently, <laughs> gets a big cut. But, you know, that's fine. I also appreciated getting an up close look at what Citadel looked like and kind of explaining what the layout of the Citadel Academy is. I feel like this episode really did a good job at laying down that that foundational work and really giving you an idea of the contrast between what the Citadel wants to be with the Art Deco white walls and marble look 
and what the Citadel actually is, which is a gnarled, unearthly, stone metal spire of doom out in the middle of this town. So I just, I really like that contrast. I feel like that's a good explanation of what this town's really like. And this is kind of the first time I got to get that close to it. All right. So this third episode wasn't cut for time. It just never had a good place to come up. Uh, This story predates Double Issue as a concept by quite a bit. It's almost as old as Amy Dangerous herself. I came up with the idea for Amy in college when Quentin and I were working on a superhero game called Mutants and Masterminds to play. Not, not We weren't developing it. We were just playing it. But this character named Fang, currently, that, that name may not stick around. <laughs> we'll see. There's already a superhero or two named Fang, but that's just what they're called right now. This is a an idea that's still congealing into something more solid. I had this idea whenever the vampire teen novels were the big thing of writing this book that was about a vampire who really wants to impress this girl and this girl who just really likes superheroes and who just wants to have a friend in a new town. And they kind of buddy up Now, the main issue is she doesn't necessarily think of the vampire as a boyfriend. She just wants to be his friend. And it's all about finding the issues that I found with, like, the Twilight series and the other books of that irk. And exploring kind of that toxic manhood, coming-of-age issues and trying to think about all that through the lens of vampirism and superheroes and what that responsibility looks like. I haven't found a good way to attack that subject yet, but I wrote this story in an airport while waiting to come home a couple weeks before, while the show was starting. I was like, instantly, I was like, I need to write stories about Fang. He's going to be one of my big stories. He's never come up. And now that we're starting to move towards a an idea for what our now that we're starting to move towards sort of a season arc idea concept framework i just don't see a place where fang's gonna fit (laughs) but that's fine because honestly i'm not ready for him fully i'm not ready as a writer to just tackle this subject so i thought it'd be fun just to go ahead and share the story it's something in the world but it's it's not something I've I'm gonna be working on for a little bit. I might try to work on it just on my own and try to get a novel written on the side. And if I do that, I'd be sure to share it with y'all. But for now, let's read that book. Story. Let's read that story. Fang, number one, by Daniel J. Poole. The park was dark. There was a warm dampness that flooded the area. Islands of orange light spotted a trail through the black velvet night. A lone figure jogged on a path. 
blips of her flashed in the light before disappearing momentarily. Her feet smacked the ground with moist impacts. High above, a creature watched, its ears listening to the sound of her blood pump through her heart. It could taste her sweat in the air. Though she disappeared into the darkness, it could still see her heat like broad day. The creature daftly descended from the top of its perch in a tree. It soundlessly crawled till it was just above her path. It could hear her music player. Light pop hits thumped out a story about love and loss. From the shadows of an oak tree, a figure stepped into her path. A thin man with missing teeth grabbed her arm and held a knife out. She struggled. She hit him. He grabbed her free arm and pulled her close. He screamed about money. Then he screamed. A clawed hand grabbed him from the sky by the crown of his head. It lifted him off the ground. He released the girl. She fell back a step but did not run. The man's body disappeared into the night. Only his legs remained. They kicked feverishly for a few seconds before losing momentum. Then they slacked and dangled loosely. His body dropped limply to the ground. He was pale, slow, steady. Breaths raised his chest before falling. The girl asked. Her mind raced. She could not outrun something like that. She could not know what kind of that she was facing, but decided to start with diplomacy. Thank you. There was no immediate response. The night was calm, quiet. There was a sound like metal raking on metal. Then the light post swayed heavily. Then silence. Slowly, the normal night sounds of cicadas and crickets began anew. The sound of bats and the occasional owl faded back into the park. The girl placed her earbuds back in her ears, but left the music off. She started back at a light jog. She didn't want to make any sudden movements. Her pace constant. She could not move. She could not hear over her footfalls and sporadic breathing. The night sounds became sparser once more. She picked up her pace. She breathed heavier and broke into a run. The wind died down and cicadas became quiet again. She was in a full sprint. She could see the entrance to the park. It led out into better lit streets with people and shops. She pulled in her arms and concentrated on throwing her feet out in front of herself. She came to a complete stop. Standing to the side of the park exit was a form. It was vaguely human-shaped. Arms, legs, and eyes were all that she could make out. Two pinpricks of red light reflecting in the lamps. When it knew she could see it, the figure tried to slink back into the shadows. It pushed against the shrubs of the fence around. It looked for a way out. 
Hello? She asked again. Are you the one that saved me from that person? It did not answer. It looked away frantically. Two long, pointed ears drew up above its head. It leaped and cleared the surround. She rushed through the exit and saw the figure drop to all fours and scurry down the sidewalk till it leaped once more back into the park. She followed. Doubling back, she went where the thing had re-entered. There was a thicket of trees and brush, vines wrapped around trunks forming a tight wall of vegetation. She stopped to listen. Above her, she could hear a small voice. Crap, crap, frick, crap. Good going, dummy. Taking her phone out, she swiped to the light app. Illuminating the trees, she could make out a small framed teen about her age. He went stiff in the light, but slowly turned toward the source. His eyes glowed in the light. He was breathing hard with an open, fanged mouth. Hi, she said. Hi, he replied weakly. I just wanted to say thank you. Oh, uh, yeah, it, it, it was nothing. They stood looking at each other for a moment. The air was muggy. Light traffic echoed off the park fence. A light breeze picked up. The girl checked the time on her phone. Oh, shoot. Uh, I have to get home. Uh, do you hang? <laughs> or, uh, come around here often? Yeah, yeah, the boy said, nodding. Cool, cool, well... I like jogging, so I'll probably see you around, okay? Yeah, cool, okay. She smiled and started walking towards home. He smiled and blushed. Then he watched her walk towards the opposite side of the park. He lightly cursed and jumped down from the tree. Hey, wait up, he said. Mind if I walk with you? The girl looked him up and down. He was thin, gaunt, and had pale, pointed features. His dark, chin-length hair tousled as he ran to her. He wore a simple black shirt and dark jeans. He was barefoot. Sure, I'd like that, she said. She had an athletic build and wore comfy running clothes. Her tan was still dark from the summer. Her hair was lighter than usual, but still a dark chestnut. The pair walked towards the suburbs. Thank you again, she said. I had pepper spray, but he surprised me. You did well. I, I would have stayed back if he didn't have both your arms. There have been more guys like him lately. Are you new? Yeah, I just moved in today. My dad works for Faustus Technologies. Oh, the big factory looking place. Out in the middle of nowhere? She laughed. Isn't that everywhere? He looked hurt for a moment. Sorry, madam, that our humble bug is so beneath you. That's not what I meant, she said before realizing he was joking. When he grinned, his skin pulled taut across his cheeks and forehead. It revealed his fangs. His face was like a Halloween mask. His laugh came in short chortles and a snort. 
That's not what I meant at all. She used her hands, trying to catch the word she meant to say. He stopped her. There's no need to defend it. Aaron City is pretty much nowhere. I mean, even the Smith Mart closes at 8. Ugh. I heard there was an awesome bar, she said, trying to sound positive. Besides the fact that you probably aren't old enough to drink, I really wouldn't call it a bar. It's a converted chicken coop that serves light beers and little red cups. They both laughed. She asked him, How old are you exactly? He thought for a moment, then started to say, Like, in human years? Uh, yeah. And I guess like 22? I don't really keep track. Vampire years, it's like 16. They walked a little longer. They came to an exit closest to our neighborhood. They stopped for a moment just outside. She asked, Would you like to follow me the rest of the way? It's not far. Sure, he said. He took a few steady steps outside the park, and they turned toward the dimly lit neighborhoods. Loosely packed houses with large yards separated by fences ran along the side of the long sidewalk. It seemed to disappear into the night infinitely. Dogs barked at the pair. The boy hissed back. They became deathly quiet. So, uh, how old are you? Just turned 18. I'm a senior. And Aaron, say hi. Cool, cool. I finished there. Well, like, a while ago. Cool. It seems nice. I don't start till Monday, but I saw the building. They walked on. So, I'm sorry, she started to say. But that was so awesome! With the mugger! Are you a superhero? What? No, uh, I've never actually drunk human blood before. Oh, wow. So this is was kind of a big deal for you then? He coughed. Mm, yeah, I'm not supposed to drink human blood. I'm technically not even registered in the metahuman services. Are you illegal? Nah, I was born here. I just never registered. I guess my dad was in trouble or something? After the war, that is. My mom doesn't really talk about it. I guess we're refugees. I'm sorry, that sounds tough. She tried to think of everything she knew about the last great war. She could recall dates and places, but nothing that she could think of to add. Instead, she just said, Well... You are like a superhero. He blushed. His ears knocked back against his head. Me? No. I just don't like bullies. You were amazing. You could do a lot of good for this world, she said with a bit too loud. He ran his fingers through his hair. Well, I don't know about the world. Maybe I could just start here. Keep it local. I like that. Obtainable. You can catch litterers, speeders, maybe the occasional mugger. Someone has to do it. They walked a spell longer. She tried to form a sentence without being rude. She started to say something, but he started first. They both stopped to let the other talk. They started trying to let the other go first. Finally, she jumped in. Why are your ears so long and flexible? Is that a vampire thing? What? These? He wiggled his ears back and forth. And he answered, Well, you are what you eat. My mom and I, 
besides regular food, we hunt deer. It makes our ears longer and our eyes reflective. Weird, the girl choked in the word. I mean, not weird. He held up his hands. I understand. It's not like humans. It's cool. Do you feel any different after that guy? He thought for a moment. I don't know. It takes time. She nodded, gesturing toward an early American two-story house. She stopped. Well, this is me. He nodded. It's nice. I like this um neighborhood. They stood awkwardly for a moment on the sidewalk. He stuck his hands in his pockets and rocked on his heels. She wrapped up her earbuds and looked at the porch swing. They both started to say something at the same time. He motioned to her with an open palm. She said, It was nice meeting you. Maybe we can do this. Maybe we can see each other again. He nodded. Yeah, I'd like that. He nodded. Yeah, I'd like that. They both smiled and started to go their separate ways. She was halfway up the walk and turned back suddenly. She said, Wait, what was your name? The street was empty. In the distance, dogs barked. A warm breeze blew loose trash along the street. Whose name? A voice asked from the front porch. A man in his early fifties was standing halfway out the door. The girl panicked a moment and held her phone up to her ear and said, What was your name, sir? No, uh, sorry, I don't recognize that name. You must have the wrong number. She made a show of putting her phone away. Hi, Dad. Hey, sport. Have a good run. Oh, yeah. The park is pretty great. Did you have any trouble? She looked down the empty streets. No, no trouble at all. He put an arm around her. You know, I think you're really going to like it here. It's not so bad. The pair walked inside the house. High above the yard, two reflective eyes watched the manor. A creature smiled a toothy, fanged grin. With a rush of speed, the boy flew into the night with a jump. The end. Pretty much for now. Alright, so yeah, that's Fang. I uh, hope maybe I'll get to write on him more in season two. Maybe in my side book. We'll see what happens first. I like the general concept, but the relationship still feels weird and off between the girl and Fang. Ah, you know what? We'll sort it out at some point. Uh, coming up next, I'm working on that mini series for Green Calamity. It's going to be like a prequel trilogy. I don't know. Prequel series to the Starship crap crash episode i figured that's a safe direction to go while i'm flying solo here um also also i'm gonna enter the emotional mecha jam on itch.io for a tabletop rpg it's just like short few page kind of things so i'm working on some ideas for that uh this week in our recommendations check out des west mouse on twitch she made our new Chapter Chaps logo, which will be coming out eventually. She's on twitch.tv. But anyway, thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. This Daniel-centric episode. Um, man, yeah. Here are some credits. Art was by Lisa Prather. Check her out on her website or Instagram. Email 
doubleissueshow at gmail.com. You can follow Quinn and me on Twitter. We got Facebook. We got Twitter, WordPress, Discord, website. Any, any way you think you can figure where we're at, we're probably there. So come find us. Um, Next week, I think I'm going to do a single-player RPG called Plot Armor. And it's one of the mecha jam RPGs. I think it should be a lot of fun. So make sure to come back next week and hear me journaling to myself about emotions in Mecha World. But uh, besides that, I'll leave the rest up to future Daniel. Good night. Hey, hey, it's me, future Daniel. So... First apologies, since I recorded this, I discovered that the trees are out to kill me. I probably sound like I'm holding my nose the entire time through this recording. So, sorry about that. Um, I'm taking allergy medicine now, so I should start sounding a lot better. And I'm going to record the next episode before I get any worse. But, here's the credits. Free Harmonics by a Free Harmonic Orchestra. Guns v. Butter by Health and Beauty. G of the Bang by Dr. Turtle. Wall. And Endeavor by Jazir. More Scared of You by Nihalor. Vampire by Demosel Downer. Obsolete Lo-Fi Samba Rock by Keshko. Music was from the Free Music Archive. Go check them out. Sound effects were from freesound.org. Think about going and donating to them. All songs and effects were used under Tributation Creative Commons licenses. This show is also released under a share-alike Creative Commons license. So feel free to remix and use us and just share and tell us and attribute us. Till next time, as we always say here on Double Issue... Unfangished? Is that is that work? Unfangished? Un unfangalished. Yeah. Domino, you can stop right there. No. Domino. No. Nope. 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 Uh, yeah. Um um Quarrel. No, Mikey. But so yeah. So that's not the right voice.